0: Hello everybody, it's Michelle here. Welcome to our podcast. Hey, welcome. This is part four of what I now know is going to be a six part series. Um, when I first started, I thought four parts, and then I didn't realize, Oh, I would probably need an intro and then probably a conclusion. And so, uh, again, a huge shout out to my friend, Michelle, who suggested that I do this series. I hope that it's adding value to you, getting you to really think about yourself and others. Um, and of course yourself first. Right? So again, same thing applies. I'm going to show you, um, tonight we're going to talk about the, the third drawing in our series. So the first drawing was that little heart. The second was the house with the fence around it. And this one is two stick people who are holding hands And inside one of their heads, you can put a plus sign and inside the other one, you can put a minus sign. And this is really to represent good and bad, positive and negative. Okay, so I'm going to share with you kind of the overview. What does this mean? Um, Some barriers to developing this task. Um, We're going to talk about acceptance. And then I'm going to give you some tips. And as we go through, you're really wanting to take as many notes down as you can. Definitely write down things that pertain to you. And then at the end, we're going to do our self-assessment again. Remember, 1 to ten, one being low, 10 being high. All right. Now, again, this is an overview. So as I'm going through, if you feel like I could have spent, you know, a little bit more time here or there, or you'd like to hear more about something else, That's okay. Just email me. I'd be happy to put that into the rotation. All right. So let me talk a little bit about um, the overview of this developmental task. So um, many people think about things in, you know, like polar opposites almost. Like you have to have black or white, right or wrong, good or bad. I mean, just think about our political system, how it is these days. For those of you who are not within the United States, it's very, we call it polarizing. Meaning, if you, you know, agree with this one idea on the completely opposite end of the spectrum, you must disagree with this, right? So it's the belief that we are all good or all bad. Rather than when you have matured through this developmental task, you realize that nobody is all good. Nobody is all bad. No situation, circumstance, um, organization, job, whatever you, you can talk about is, is all good or all bad. See, we all have what we can call flaws or mistakes or um you know, just failures, right? That doesn't make us bad people. Okay. When you see somebody as all good or all bad, you become this ticking time bomb. You think other people should be just like you. And see, the thing is that if if you continue to think about things in this, these terms, as you grow up into an adult, you, you're not able to tolerate somebody else's badness or weakness or failure in yourself or other people. Okay. You, you, everything must be perfect. And to you that definition of perfect reigns supreme. Now here's the kicker is that the person living across the road from you could also be in the same um, vein as this, but they have their own definition of what's perfect. And guess what? Because you've lived different lives and you have different perspectives and experiences, you have come to this definition of perfect, right? So these are the values I have. This is how I choose to decorate my home. This is the food that I eat, right? All of those choices that we talked about in our last developmental task, which is the boundaries, right? So everything that's within your fence line, that's your definition of perfection, right? But what happens is that you typically tend to place that definition on somebody else's yard. So you end up being kind of that person who's standing on your, on your porch, yelling at somebody else, telling them they're doing life wrong. Okay. Um, You also tend to devalue any job, person or organization that isn't perfect. Do you know people who, they're, they're what I call job and church hoppers, right? They, they find something that's wrong with their job or their church and all of a sudden it's not perfect like they want. So they go to the next one down the road thinking that one's going to provide me uh, with that perfection I'm looking for. So they're job and church hoppers or what I call friend droppers right? Your friend is working really well for you. And then something happens and, oh no, you know, this, this little tiff we get in is a a sign for me that, you know, you're not my perfect friend. Okay. Do you know these people? Yeah. When in truth, no person, situation, or organization is all good or all bad. See, those two little stick people are representing our ideal self and our real self, okay? So we're talking about the awareness that, you know, our ideal self is, okay, in a perfect world, this is how I would act, okay? Uh, you you want to get over your ideal self really quickly when you begin to have children, You know, in an ideal world, I would get up on a Sunday morning and we would have a leisurely breakfast as a family. We would have great conversation. Everybody would be ready for church on time. We would get to church. They would be like little angels as we go into church. Yeah. Now let me tell you the real truth. (laughs) The real truth is that Half the time we don't get to church on time. And I'm just happy if everybody's combed their hair and used deodorant. Okay. So ideally, yes, I would like that to happen. And then there's reality. And you know what? I'm okay with reality. I'm okay with reality. Are you? Okay. So there's that good, better, best philosophy, right? We always want best and sometimes we get better and and most of the time we get good okay and if we can be good with good then life will be easier to live you know my my friend and mentor john maxwell always talks about the idea of failing forward you know when when something happens and you've made a mistake or I remember one time, oh my gosh, I still think about this. So this was maybe two years ago, but this is how significant it was. I was in a meeting uh, with somebody and I knew the meeting was going a little bit long. It was just her and I at a coffee shop, but I was really enjoying our conversation and uh, not thinking anything about anything else. And all of a sudden I get this text and I realize I am 10 minutes late for an appointment that's 30 minutes from there. And so there was absolutely no way that I could get to that, to that next appointment. And I felt horrible. Okay. So that stuff happens, right? I mean, the longer you live, the more stuff happens. And so I had to come to terms with, you know what? I didn't like that that happened. That definitely wasn't my, bringing my A game, my excellence, my best. And it happened. Does that make me a horrible person? No. And you know, what was really good about that experience is I let myself off the hook. Now, I'll be honest, it took me a few days, (laughs) but I did. And honestly, it wasn't much longer after that, maybe a few months. And the person that I was supposed to meet that I, I missed out on, the same thing happened to her. She was supposed to meet with me and she forgot. And it was just one of those moments that was like, hey, no big deal. We're fine. We're good. Right? Okay. So your real self cannot be your ideal self 100% of the time. It's impossible. Okay? And whatever you don't accept and just let be will be under judgment and condemnation. And you'll ultimately try to hide it. Okay? So... How you treat yourself is how you treat others. You know, there's that, um, some people will say commandment or law or just a good piece of advice. Treat others as you would treat yourself, right? So I am currently in this time of my life where this summer is all about me. Now let me clarify before you think I'm a narcissistic fool. Uh, It's all about me in that I take care of everybody else. And then when it comes to me, I don't take care of myself. And so that, that concept of care for others as you would care for yourself, I think a lot of people actually care better for other people than they do themselves. We tend to see other people in maybe a better light, right? Unless, of course, you're very close to them. (laughs) You're related. You've grown up with them. They live in your house. Okay, so... Um, we tend to judge those that we are closest with by their behavior and ourselves by our intent, (laughs) but the opposite is true when we go out into, uh, working with strangers. Okay. So there's really four types of dealing with this good and bad conflict. Okay. So the first one is denying the bad, Okay, so denying that you have, you know, hurts, habits, and hangups of your own, and that other people have them as well. So you just see yourself as this Pollyanna, Mother Teresa figure, and everybody else is that too. This can put you in a place where you're going to, number one, kind of fall from your pedestal, but other people will as well. Okay. So I'll just be honest. I get hangry. Have you ever heard that term before where you get very hungry and when you're very hungry, you get angry, <laughs> right? I know this about myself. Now I try not to put myself in those situations where that happens, but I know that this is a, a, a habit. Okay. So denying that I get hangry doesn't mean that I get rid of that. The only way to get rid of that that's an issue is to admit that I have it. Okay. Another type of dealing with this conflict is denying the good, right? So the opposite of that, this is where you don't live up to your potential. You have awesome strengths inside of you, passions, passions dreams, goals, desires. And when you are not living life to the fullest in whatever way you're able to, you're denying your potential. You're denying the good inside of you. And this goes true for people around you who are trying to live to their potential and you're denying them. You know, my, my husband, um, I love him dearly. And Several years ago, when I, when I really jumped out and started growing my business and I started to see some great successes come my way, um, he kind of had this attitude of, Hey, wait a minute. I remember who you were when we first got married and you weren't, you know, this same Michelle back then. And over time I've had to step back a little bit and not try to convince him that I'm good. Okay. Okay. He's got to figure that out for himself. But that kind of goes along with that saying, a prophet has no honor in his own home. Right? Okay, the third way that you uh, can deal with this conflict is through attack and judgment. And let's focus. Or you're, this is the most common way of dealing with this conflict between good and bad in you. Or in others, you see that somebody makes a mistake, so you attack or you judge them for that mistake. And then the last way, which is the most healthiest way, is acceptance. That you accept both the good and the bad. That you have an honest assessment about yourself and about the other person. Um, That you realize that good guys make mistakes too. And it's not the mistake, it's how you handle it. So this this is something that I feel like um, I have had to learn for myself over over time um, because honestly, I just had to get okay with having mistakes in my life. Um, My life was not perfect from the beginning. And I'm I'm so thankful for, for that because there's not a lot that I have to live up to. Okay, by all accounts and purposes, most people could look at the trajectory of my life and say, I can't believe you made it to where you are. However, I have a different point of view of it because I look at it and say, oh, how how much farther I have to go, right? But I want to tell you this little story about uh, when my son Josiah was two years old. Because this is a perfect way to show your children the difference between right and wrong and what emphasis to place on either one of those. So this uh, developmental task actually shows itself I would say it begins around the age of seven and definitely towards 15, okay? This is where children are beginning to develop their right and wrong um, sense of morality, consciousness, awareness, that kind of thing. Um, But you can start this even sooner. So I remember distinctly when Josiah was two years old, and that meant that uh, Hannah, my middle child, was a newborn. Okay, so dad, of course, went to to work every day. I stayed home with the two of them. And I remember coming into the bathroom one day and lo and behold, there is a rubber snake in the toilet. Now, first of all, I didn't get all worked up because these things happen, don't they? (laughs) If you've had children in your home, you know they happen. So I called Josiah in and now get this listen to this. I didn't say who put the snake in there because I know as soon as I ask that question, he has to protect himself, right? He has to protect himself from that innate sense of, oh no, I'm wrong and I'm going to get in trouble. I also know that's a, a dumb question because everybody here knows the answer to it, right? I mean, who in the house, I know I didn't do it and I'm pretty sure the newborn didn't do it. So there's only one person that could do it, right? So when he came in, I didn't focus on you made this mistake. I said, hey, what's your plan to get the snake out of the toilet? And, and so the, in that question is the assumption that we both know who did it. I don't care that it got done. What I care about is how are you going to fix the problem. So it, it's just as simple as with my 12-year-old, my who I believe she has a part on her DNA that says spill things. Um, she has developed over time because we were very, very intentional with her as a child. She would spill some liquid form at every single meal. And so we taught her how to clean up a mess by herself. Because in my my opinion, it's not my job to clean up your messes. I'm not going to be doing that all your life. And you need mm-hmm. to figure that out, right? hmm mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so long story short, um, what happened mm-hmm. is we taught her, mm-hmm. we taught her how to clean up her messes and she would say, don't worry, mommy, I have a plan. Great, Hannah, I'm so happy you have a plan. Now, here's what I'm trying to instill in her. I do not want her to focus on, she just made a mistake. I want her to focus on that empowering attitude of, I have a plan that I can fix this. There's always a solution to a problem. Okay. That's really key because what you focus on, you get more of. Okay. And so if you focus on the mistake, you get more mistakes. If you focus on the empowering and encouraging of, hey, that's okay. No big deal. You're perfect anyway. Let's continue on. You get more of that. Okay. All right. So some, some symptoms, some Mm -hmm. barriers with this task. Um, Symptoms when you know somebody is struggling with this include perfectionism, inability to tolerate negative feelings, um, depression and moodiness self-image problems, anxiety and panic, narcissism, guilt, excessive rage, and inability to admit your strengths and faults. You know anybody like that? And you have a distorted thinking of yourself. So you might say something like, I am unworthy. Uh, My feelings are unacceptable. I should be better. I am unforgivable. Or you have distorted thinking about other people. So you might think that, oh no, they're going to attack my weakness. Right? Don't show them my weakness. Or um, they're going to think that I'm a bad person. Or, oh man, they're going to abandon me if they find this thing out about me. Okay? When in reality, these distortions of ourself and others form the prison cell that really houses your real self. So it keeps you from being genuine and authentic. Okay. So let's talk about acceptance. So first of all, failure equals growth when you know how to handle it. Okay. It it leads to learning loving acceptance and correction actually helps you reach your goals. Okay. So there's a term that I often talk about with our, with my coaching clients. It it says that you are perfect and developing. You are perfect right this very minute in that you are the best version of yourself that you've ever been. And tomorrow you're going to be even better and when you live life that way you honor value and respect who you are right now and you give yourself permission to continue to keep getting better see we want those two little stick people with the plus and the minus to hold hands together we can't be all good and all bad but man what if we could work it out in such a way that we don't uh, uh that we honor and respect both sides of us okay now, this is where we need those safe people. Again, this goes back to that bonding and attachment, right? Safe people because w- there's power in this. Okay, I, I made a mistake. I I did something. I, you know, maybe yelled at my kids or I picked a fight with my husband, whatever. And I need a safe person to talk to and say, hey, man, this is what happened. And and to have them say, you know, it's okay. You know, confession and forgiveness, So when you're with that safe person, you talk that through so that you can do that with others in your life. Okay. And refuse bitterness a place to grow. Do not allow yourself to stay angry at yourself or others. I have a mentor that that often says, pursue grace, be on the offensive. And now he says, don't be offensive, right? Don't go out and and hurt somebody's feelings. But he says, be on the offensive, not defensive. So when something happens and maybe some of your weakness shows a little bit and, and maybe somebody kind of attacks that a little bit, don't defend yourself. Try to go out into your day on the offensive where you're sharing with other people and you're, you're showing them love and grace and mercy throughout the day, because more of that will come back to you. Now, anger, anger shows that you have a problem, which means that there's a solution. So own your anger and find the source of the problem or issue. Okay, so don't focus on the anger. You want to delve a little bit deeper and find why you're so angry. Anger really illuminates your values. It shows you what's important to you. What are you trying to protect? For example, my husband and I went out on a date the other night. We went to a movie and it was a very spur of the moment thing. Like we were at a restaurant. We checked the movie times. We said, oh yeah, let's go see this movie. So we go to the theater, we're buying our tickets and, um, our theater just did a renovation and you have to pick your, your seats before you go in. So you can no longer just go in and say, Hey, this is where I want to sit. And so my husband picked the seats and I didn't have any say about where we were going to sit. So we go into the theater and we find our seats and it's almost at the top and you have to go in almost a whole row before you sit in the seats. Now I'm the kind of person that I know with the length of movie that we were going to watch that I was going to have to get up at least one time to use the restroom. I do not want to have to crawl over everybody. I don't want to interrupt their movie time. And so I was already feeling uncomfortable and I realized I was getting angry and I was getting more and more angry at my husband. And I had to stop and say, wait a minute, wait a minute. My my husband is not a bad guy. He didn't do a bad thing picking out these seats. Why am I angry? What's going on? And I realized that for me, based on my my past uh, life, this idea or feeling of being held hostage and not having a choice is a trigger for me. So as soon as I said, I have anger, what am I trying to protect? What's going on? And I realized that I said, okay, I am not a hostage. I am choosing that my mind and my body be here in one place together, that I'm holding hands with my husband, that I'm watching this movie, right? So I had to kind of talk myself down and say, it's all good. Okay. And sadness. Um, So sadness really signals hurt and loss. Stay with that grieving process and then let it go Okay, this is really important Um, a lot of people have never experienced grief until they are in in adults and They don't know exactly how to handle that Um, Grief is is something that comes in waves It's not something you just do for a week and then you go back to work. Okay, it's something that um, I, I'm very keen based on some grief that I've had in my past that when, uh, somebody loses a loved one, I will very specifically about 22 days after the funeral, I will put it in my calendar to go have a visit, bring a meal, send some flowers, something, because I know it takes about that long for everybody else to forget. And so, um, when you go about your normal life and then grief finds you again, that sadness over anything, right? You want to feel it and ride the wave and let it go. Okay. When you deny your sadness, the result is depression. Many people deny sadness because, oh, you know, I, I shouldn't, I shouldn't feel so bad that I lost my cat here because, you know, my friend over here, her child has cancer or, you know, this family over here, they just went through a horrible house fire, right? I shouldn't be so sad because of my cat. Well, here's what happens is if you don't feel that grief and you don't let it wash over you, it's going to get stuck inside and it's going to demand an expression somewhere else. Okay. Okay. All right. Now, let me talk briefly about some skills that you could do to uh, really grow in this area. So growth only comes with effort, right? It doesn't just happen. Um, Only children up until a certain point grow automatically, right? You've got to decide to grow in this area. That's really, really important. Um, Again, having a safe person or two Practice confessing your mistakes and failures. Now, don't like dredge way down deep and pull out all your deepest, darkest secrets unless you know this person is really, really safe, right? But just practice coming and saying, oh, yeah, I had another fight with my husband today. That's all. Just practice. Um, rework your ideal. So think about this good, better, best philosophy, so you might want to pick out a couple of things that, you know, you get angry at um, and and say, okay, best scenario. So for me in the theater, best scenario is that we're in those really cool VIP seats where, where I've got lots of room and I'm right in the middle and I can put my feet up and the aisle is so wide. It doesn't matter if I'm going to have to step over somebody. That's best, right? And And that we would have them ahead of time. So I know I get those seats. And then better would be, you know, on the end of the row, right? And good is still there with my husband, okay? And know that not all the time do I get just good and not all the time do I get best. Um, Challenge your distortions of yourself and others. So those distortions that we talked about earlier, when they come up, ask yourself this simple question. Is that really true so maybe you're you're getting up and doing a presentation at work and you know that public speaking isn't necessarily your thing and so you get up and you um, you're thinking oh my gosh they're gonna see this weakness and they're gonna hate me they're gonna know I'm a complete idiot just when that thought comes say is that really true just practice that okay Monitor your judgments. So I'm not saying change them, but be aware of them. Do you attack yourself or others? What do you attack them about? What are your patterns in this area? Okay, you're just becoming aware of them. And stay connected to others and love them despite of their flaws, or maybe even because of them. Okay. This is going to create more connections and attachments. And remember what we said about attachments that the more you have, it's, it's addictive, the more that you want, the more that you get. Okay. Get comfortable with imperfection. So uh, honestly, in order to kind of um, dispel this idea that I've got to do everything to perfection. Um, there, there's some people that I work with that I, I have to come in and do some assessments with them. And one of the things in a classroom is that we want to hear teachers saying very positive, encouraging things like, wow, tell me about your picture. Oh, I can tell you really worked a, a, a long time on that. Or, oh, look at how much blue you used. Right? So you're being very specific, showing them that you're really paying attention. Well, when I was first coming through education, it was all about good job, nice work, right? Well, we don't want them to say that anymore. We want them to be specific. And so on this one assessment, if you say good job, you you get marked down. And so for a lot of the teachers that I work with, this is a problem and they know it. And so when I'm working with them, I say, hey, listen, here is what you need to do. Within the first five minutes of me being in the room, I want you to say, good job. And then I want you to move on with your day. (laughs) Because the whole time, if you're trying to keep that one thing in, right, you're trying to be perfect at that one thing, you're missing things along the way that you're already good at. And eventually you're probably going to say it anyway. So you might as well say it, get it over with, and then move on and be as awesome as you can be. Okay? Um, for example, when I put in um, uh, scripts, when I do these scripts, I will often go off script, so to speak, because I want to have a little bit of imperfection that I call it, which I, th- in my opinion, is really perfection. Um, it's the way that I bring my genuine, authentic self into these calls. Okay, so get uncomfortable with imperfection just get over it okay and and really expect to find things wrong with people circumstances and organizations it's no big deal i mean you know when something is totally against your values and you can't come in alignment with that but i mean if you go visit a friend and they put the toilet paper on a, a different way than you do can you still like them I hope so. Okay. All right. So again, taking all of this into consideration, what is your self-assessment rating on this? One being, I know I'm really, really, really low. And 10 being, man, I'm so glad I got this one down. What's your number? Now, if it's under an eight, again, I want you to make one or two Small steps action steps that you can take this week to practice Okay, and if you scored a little lower number on the first two as well I want you to think about all of these calls as a whole and begin to maybe uh, Combine some of your action steps So for example, if you were low in the attachment section well for this one for good and bad Attachment is could be one of your? Um, your goals as well, right? So you could say, Hey, I'm going to go out and have coffee with my friend Susie and I'm going to tell her about the fight I had with one of my kids. That's creating connections and sharing your authentic self. Okay. Don't make this too hard. You got this. No worries, right? Okay. So, uh, tomorrow we are going to talk about maturity. (laughs) So this is the one that a lot of people, fail on and don't understand. So this is one of my favorite ones. It's one that I'll just be honest, I score higher on. Um, and so I'm so excited to share that one with you. And then the day after that, we're, we're going to wrap all this up. I'm going to do kind of a, so what call this is everything that we've gone through. So what, what do I do with this now? Okay. So if there's any part of this that you would like more information on, feel free to email me at Michelle at grow by one Dot com and I would be happy to uh, come up with something for you all right awesome thank you so much for putting in the time to listen I really appreciate it I hope this has given you a lot to chew on and think about and um, just a, a gentle reminder if there are people in your life that you feel like need to hear this uh, by all means connect with us on social media or even through the the anchor app and and start sharing it with them okay all right we will talk to you next time have an awesome day. Bye-bye.